The Tablet Show, Episode 74, with guest Tony Kaufman. Recorded live Friday, March 1st, 2013. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Tony Kaufman about building games with Cocos 2DX. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to The Tablet Show. Carl and Richard here, talking tablets and mobile again. Indeed. Fresh cup of coffee. I am ready. Ready to rock and roll. How are you doing, man? I am well, sir. Things are good. I think we're ready for Better No Framework. Better No Framework. So what do you got? Well, I went looking for some good blog posts, and I found, you know, Jeremy Lickness, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got a great blog. Awesome blog. At csharperimage.jeremylickness.com. Anyway... Uh, you know, some of the, the cooler aspects of .NET 4 and .NET 4.5 are sometimes seem just out of grasp, and what you need is somebody to explain it to you. This is a great three-part blog post, Understanding the Portable Library by Chasing I-Command. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's using portable libraries to, uh, to, extend, uh, to extend an MVVM interface using all kinds of uh, things with I-Command. And it's a, it shows you, you know, um, how that works in context of MVVM. And you learn a lot about portable libraries in the meantime. That's so cool. I uh, tinyurlized it for you. Okay. Tinyurl.com slash portable libs blog. Portable libs blog. Awesome. Know it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? Grab this comment off of show 73, the last show we did with Miguel Diacazo. We talked about all the great things coming in uh, Xamarin. Oh, man. Building iPhone apps in Visual Studio. That's so cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, and Diane Wilson, a.k.a. Cylon Cat. By your command. Uh, says, uh, great show and a great follow-up to Stuart Lodge in the MVVM Cross a couple of weeks ago. Sure. You know, Miguel didn't tell you the whole story about Visual Studio and iOS. Uh. In Visual Studio, you can create an iOS project, edit, build, and deploy it to an iOS simulator or even a real iOS device. And debug in Visual Studio running on a real iOS device. That is insane. The catch is that you still need a Mac as a build server. Of course. And it needs to have Xcode for the simulators and for your developer certificate and for provisioning on any real device. But that really isn't a change. Monotouch has always required Xcode for these things. It's just a new dependency for Visual Studio to need this. Yes, you can do it all on a single machine. With Windows running virtual on a Mac, Xamarin uses a Bonjour service to make the compile, run, debug, and deploy sequence completely transparent. I've been playing with the new tools for a week now, and it's pretty awesome. And as a 60-something developer, I don't say awesome lightly. Yeah, really. There's only two things still missing beyond async await and PCL support that Miguel promised for April. First, I'd like to see a visual interface builder for iOS for Visual Studio. Right now, there are still only two ways to build your views, either do everything in code or move your project over to a Mac and use Xcode's interface builder. The latter will be tolerable if, you know, you didn't yeah. have to work inside of 
yeah. the Xcode interface builder, I guess. Right. Uh, and second, how about TFS support in Xamarin Studio? How about that? Yeah, come on, guys. TFS is supporting GitHub now. How about some reciprocity? Seriously, for those of us in the enterprise space, centralized and non-public source control is not just a given. It's already in place, blessed by our corporate lawyers, and completely integrated in our world. As nice as GitHub is, it's not the answer to all source control situations any more than TFS is. TFS support in Xamarin on Mac and PC would be icing on the cake. Small fetching aside, the new Xamarin update is outstanding. If a bit pricey for the business edition with Visual Studio support, I'm really looking forward to building some great apps that would have been possible otherwise. In regards from Diane Wilson. Yeah. Well, I got nothing to say about that. I agree with everything. Yep. Totally awesome. Diane, thanks so much for your uh, your insight. And uh, yeah, it's even better than we thought. The idea that we would have one development environment to do everything we wanted is pretty cool. Now we got to do is deal with just some of this weirdness back and forth in the different uh, rules for actually getting stuff built. Uh, Miguel Diacaza is genius. Xamarin is awesome. We need to do more of that. We need to do more of that. That's what I'm saying. So a tablet show mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a tablet show mug, just write a comment on the website at thetabletshow.com. And with that, let us introduce our guest. Tony Kaufman is a mobile app developer located in Lucerne, Switzerland. He started his own company in mid-2011. Before, he was eight years in the .NET world programming server systems for the publishing industry. In the 90s, he developed Mac software in C and Windows apps in C++ and MFC. His first mobile project was a deterministic password generator for iOS, Passwort. It takes a hint and a master password to calculate a new password based on four different personal configuration settings. A recent project was a game for the Department of Social Matters and Society of the local government, Hawap, which is German for Go Away, for iOS and Android, and that was written with Cocos to DX in C++ and supported a campaign against violence and sexual assaults among the youth. Tony Kaufman has a master's degree in computer science of ETH Zurich. Welcome, Tony. Hi, Carl and Richard. Nice to be here. It's an honor to have you here, sir. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, before we get into Cocos 2DX, uh -huh. I really would like to talk about game theory because it seems to be exploding all over the place. There are so many, well, there's a couple talks that I saw uh, at, at TED, you know, okay. TED Talks. Mm -hmm. where about gamification. The, yeah, gamification. And one in particular, and I can't remember the woman who did it, but was talking about creating customized games to heal psychological problems and, and sort of like uh, to treat um, uh, anxiety or uh, PTSD even, whereas you, you take the thing that is, that is your trigger point or, you know, the, the thing or the word or the phrase or, or whatever it is, objectify that as something that comes down from the sky and attacks you and you have to, you know, destroy them. And, and just the simple idea of, symbolizing it in a game and then you know blowing it away these people got better it's crazy yeah it's amazing it's crazy it's it's um well gamification for itself is actually a um a set of rules and ideas to to make um to motivate people and to help um you doing tasks which may be tedious boring or things you just don't like to do. Right. So um, it actually helps you to engage in something. Um, 
let me explain with a few examples. Sure. Um, for example, there was a um, a very good application called Speed Radar, Radar Lottery. Speed Radar Lottery? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the situation, everyone knows the Speed Radar detectors. Even if you drive the correct speed, they are discomforting. A radar, yeah. Yeah, Speed Radar Control. Right. You, you don't like them even if you drive correct, right? Sure, sure. So you get a feeling of um, being observed, controlled by the state, mm -hmm. whatever. And what they did was every, uh, or with the speed rather lottery experiment, the detector put all correct drivers into a raffle. Ah, all good drivers. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they automatically um, uh, took place in a raffle. And the prizes were paid by the drivers who drove too fast. Ah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That's awesome. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? And suddenly drivers liked the detectors because it was a chance to win the prize. Ah, it's all about incentives. Absolutely. Yeah. So the idea behind gamification is to engage you and to um, let you feel something which you would otherwise not like. Um, like it better right you you give us a challenge and it makes life interesting rather where you were just driving down the highway now you're actually trying to win a prize by yeah, driving that's right. better that's right another example i think that's from a u.s car manufacturer ford um they want to help you to drive more economically mm -hmm. so um save petrol don't um, press the throttle all the time and mm. then off then the brake again and so on. So when you drive economically, uh, little plants start to grow on, you, on your main display. Little plants? Yeah, green plants on your main display, they grow. Okay. So that makes you, or the experience um, showed that that makes people drive more economically because people want to see um, plants growing. Right. It's a very simple thing. And only, you only need a, a piece of software and you may save, you know, one person of petrol or whatever. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. But is this actually so much a gamification as it is just a feedback mechanism? If you know, because your car is constantly telling you, yeah, you are, you know, being more economical, then, you, you know, once you have that feedback mechanism, you know what to do. It's just having feedback. That, that's right. But gamification is all about feedback. It gives you feedback what you are doing. It rewards you if you're doing something well. Mm. I mean, gamification, there are actually two, two main parts or components of gamification. One is fun, mm -hmm. just having fun, um, doing something. And, uh, because it's nice animated, um, uh, they use sounds or whatever. It makes, it makes it fun to you. And the other uh, part of gamification is a rewarding system. Mm. So a reward system can be money, like with the speed radar control, you take in place in a raffle and get prizes. Or it can be um, virtual um, rewards, recognition. Let's say um, you get badges, um, trophies, like in games. Mm. It seems to me when creating these games and creating these systems that the first challenge is, okay, 
uh, how can this be scammed and how can we prevent it from being scammed, right? Because anytime you have an incentive system and you're in the digital world, uh-huh. you know, you have to uh, be very careful. That, yeah, of course, that's right, yeah. Well, that's why I like your examples, like the driving economically. Like, it, it's pretty hard to scam that because you're, you're, your software is connected to the sensors on your car. Mm-hmm. And um, speeding is pretty hard to fake, you know, or speeding or not speeding. So, you know, those are situations in which it works. Uh, you know, I think of uh, incentives that I do, that I give my kids to do their homework or do their reading or something like that. And, uh, you know, unless you're sitting there watching their eyes and inside their brain and knowing that they're actually reading and digesting, they could be just daydreaming for all you know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, right. But um, I, I I think on TED there is also a, a talk about um, using gamification in, in, in for teaching. And they do math with a game. So um, instead of, um, and in, they have to shoot numbers and add numbers and things like that. And it's right. more like a game instead of a plain paper where, um, with pen and paper. Yeah, that's that's always a good idea. That's right. Yeah. The other problem I have with the reward system is that um, you you get in a situation where the reward comes more important than the action, or they just sets a value to things. There's a book called uh, Predictably Irrational. Love it. And they talk about this idea that once you set a price to something, you you know you actually you're gonna you may alter the behavior that it trivializes it. It's not valuable enough, or it's so valuable that it alters the behavior in sort of a destructive way. I think it's really tough to set that that reward properly. Okay. The, uh, I mean, when you think about the, the speeding one, it's like, okay, well that can be a big reward because you really don't have a lot of control over winning it. It is just a lottery. Right. Uh. But, uh, one of my favorite stories around this is sort of setting a value thing is the, the whole, uh, picking up, uh, from daycare people, you know, the, the daycare operators are getting annoyed because folks are picking up late. You're supposed to pick up no later than six o'clock. And, and people are showing up at 6.15, 6.30, and they, you know, everybody wants to go home, so pick up your kid on time. And so, right at, the, at that moment, it was sort of a shame system. If you were late, it was, it was embarrassing. So, they set a price to it. They said, all right, well, for every five minutes you're late, we're going to charge you an extra $20. So, that's going to be really expensive if you're an hour late. Right. But what actually ended up happening was more people were late. Because now that there was a price to it, it's like, oh, well, I have to do is pay a price. There's no more guilt involved. Right. So, I'll just... Here's my money, and then show up when I want to show up. It's easier to part with 20 bucks than it is. And, you know, the thing I under- didn't understand about that system, too, was, uh, what if they don't have it? What, do you keep the kid overnight? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have that, or I'm not yeah. paying, right? <laughs> well, then you can't have your child. No, we're keeping her. We're seller. <laughs> we'll sell her for the debt. Let's be careful of the punishment that you threaten. You just may have to enforce it. It just, I think it still gets back to this idea of, uh, money is always, I think, a dangerous part of this. Right. That there are more powerful, com- like, the, the, I find it hilarious that I know that plant thing works. You know, growing plants in the display seems to work, makes people happy. There's no compensation there, per se. Like, what is it in our heads status. that we like that? It's the status. It says, it's a constant reminder of how green I am. I'm making things grow. I'm not destroying something. Yeah, it makes it feel good. Yeah, yeah. So I like your your uh, 
your what your point is here, Richard, is that the intrinsic reward of just of uh, you know doing doing something good that's pleasurable that gives you a a satisfying feeling about yourself is perhaps more valuable than than you know five or ten bucks. Yeah, well, it it, it depends. Um, virtual record, uh, virtual rewards like badges or you know being on the score list somewhere on the high high place right it only helps if the community where you in is big enough right i mean if you the only one on the score table then it's uh, not of any value actually case in point richard campbell your own this world uh addiction <laughs> <laughs> so richard played a game and we've talked about it on the show right Yep. Richard plays this game. I don't know if you still play, Richard, but it's called Own This World. And as you play this, you play this as you're driving or flying or moving. And as you're going through geographical areas, you are picking up essentially square acres, uh, but squares. And you pick up those squares if you, you by laying down a troop. And if there are no troops to challenge you, uh, then you get the square. And so there's a leaderboard. There's the number one person in the world, the number two, and there's a hierarchy of the people who have the most squares. Well, before we went on this road trip with .NET Rocks, Richard was number three in the world. <laughs> and he was number one by the, before we finished it. And, you know, and, but the whole time we were traveling, he was working it, right? He had his, he had his Twitter uh, client and email and stuff on his lap. And using his right hand and his left hand, he's got his phone and he's taking squares. And I thought, you know, what well, what's the incentive? Well, it's to be number one in the world. And you know, I guess what you're saying is the community was large enough that it was a good, that it was a an intrinsically uh, satisfying thing. Because how many how many people are there, Richard? Well, uh, sixteen thousand. And are you still number one? I am not. You number two. No, I'm number five. You went down to five. Oh, man. Yeah, I've lost a bunch of troops and a whole bunch of other players have stepped up. So. We need to talk to Microsoft about another road trip. Yeah, or we something. Need- <laughs> I don't know. Once you've made it to the top, I think it's like, well, okay. And then, right. then, you know, your energy for it sort of dies down. But, you know, you you would probably describe that as euphoria when you hit that number one. Well, you? you were there. Yeah. But, you know, interestingly enough, same thing with growing the plants on the display. I think you these things ha- have an effect for a time, and then you sort of hit a limit. Right. And certainly my own this world uh, enthusiasm, once I made it to the top, sort of died down. Yeah, certainly. That's something which expires. That's true. So you found this with some of the games you've built, is that folks get to a certain point with it, and then the enthusiasm dies away? Well, um no, I can't say that because the, the, the last game, for example, that I made was just for a campaign. It mm-hmm. was intended to be used only for a few weeks or so. Is this go away? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How up? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than 30 free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free-free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight Controls, 
to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework to free agile management tools and content management systems. All of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now and take full advantage of the available free of charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting the tablet show. And so can you tell us about Hoap? What exactly was it? Um, it was a low-budget game, actually, and they wanted to... Well, it's a game I've written for the Department of Social Matters and Society of the local government here. Okay. And they um, currently run a campaign against uh, violence and sexual assault among the teenagers. Okay. So um, it came up because studies showed that sexual assault and among teenagers are not infrequent and... Though they are not so serious as sexual assaults from adults against kids, they are mm -hmm. still quite serious and need to be addressed. So that's the campaign. And they actually, uh, first they want to, uh, to, to, uh, print a brochure. And then they, um, someone contacted me because they knew I had a comp, I have a company, um, developing uh, mobile apps and they ask, me um, whether I have an idea to make uh, an app instead of a brochure, right? Mm -hmm. And first uh, we talked about just uh, an app with with all the information, more uh, you know something with articles and images and things like that. And then I came up with an idea for a simple game. So um, have let the teenagers play a game and um, hide the information they want to transfer to the teenagers within the game. So the game itself is uh, a jump and run game. Um, you, you have to um, collect um, stars, treasures. Right. So a side-scroller, a la Mario Brothers, that kind of thing? Yeah, th similar. And you can um, get helpers gadgets to... Um, make your enemies um, distracted or get them away from you. Mm -hmm. And whenever you want to get a gadget, you have to read um, a hint, some, some information. Okay, so you're communicating the information in the game. Yeah, right. So um, whenever you want to acquire or to get a gadget, you need to read something about the campaign. Cool. Yeah, that's very cool. So did it work? Well, in my opinion, the game was not really a success um, in um, respect to the download numbers. We um, the game was downloaded about one thousand five hundred times. Okay, which is um, you know we have to compare the market, the Swiss here in Swiss German. Also, Switzerland has uh, three languages. Right, and the Swiss German part that's where I'm living. Mm -hmm. We are about five million. Uh, citizen wow. and let's say or we calculated about um, 500,000 smartphones yeah 45 million people and probably about 10% percent of the of those smartphone uh, smartphone users were in our target um, audience 
So we had about 50,000 potential users. Okay. So, I mean, still that's a 5%, 7% penetration. That's that's not nothing. I mean, it's not Angry Birds. Right. That's right. But, you know, you, you hit your target market. Was your customer happy? Yeah. The customer the customer actually was quite um, um, happy because they they had much more attention as as with other campaigns. We were in the local newspaper. We were even nice. in the Swiss newspaper local radio stations and things like that. I think um, it, it really uh, gave some attention. Yeah, that's right. That's cool. This is one of the apps you built with Coco's 2D-X? Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I've chosen uh, Coco's 2D-X because I once before already did a game for um, iOS and Android. And that was, I mean, I couldn't make a game just for iOS. I had to make it for Android too, because mm-hmm. uh, especially young people have a lot of Android phones also here in Switzerland. And um, yeah, I didn't want to write the, 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 the game twice. So I chose a 2D framework, which was able to run on both platforms. As a Coco 2DX is an open source 2D game framework. It's under MIT license. It's um, actually the C++ version of uh, Coco's 2D iPhone, okay. which, which is probably the most popular and widely used game engine on iOS. And I used uh, this framework before once. Uh, Coco's 2D iPhone is actually a part of the Coco's 2D original framework uh, written in Python. Wow. So it has a long, <laughs> a long um, and Chester. Yeah. So why did you choose the Cocos 2DX? Because it's portable, because it runs on um, iOS and Android, and soon also on the Windows Phone 8. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. It's uh, uh, entirely written in C++, so you write your code, all, code also in C++. It's the easiest thing to write it under a Mac with, with Xcode, because it has its roots on the Mac side and once you're finished um, you um, bring it to the Android compiler, C compiles on Android and and build it there. Did you take a look at any other um, such as Monogame which is also cross-platform? No I didn't but I just this morning heard the show about um, um, Xperia To show you just it before, right? And I really have to look into that. That that sounds good. Yes. And there's there's a few others out there, right? Allegro and Clan Lib Lib GDX Love Two D. Yeah, right. I mean, Coco Studio X is completely fine for simple game um, as I did, and I think even com- more complexer games, mm. especially on the uh, iOS platform. I think it's probably the most widely used two uh, D uh, game platform. Oh, cool. I mean, you can't compare it with uh, Unity 3D. No. So it's that's a complete different story. But if you really like to write your game with code and have a name, uh, framework uh, underneath, then it's a good choice, I guess. Isn't there also an HTML version of Coco Studio X? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I haven't looked into that, but um, it sounds very promising. 
So how much portability we really get here? How much code, how much of the code that you wrote, did you do initially iPhone and then move it to Android? Did you build an Android and then move to iPhone? I built it uh, first on iOS, Xcode for iPhone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And had it run and tested. And then it took me about two days to port it uh, onto Android. And that was mainly because... Um, uh, C++ wa wasn't completely compatible mm -hmm. and uh, some sound files, I had to convert the sound files to the native formats and um, Android and iOS um, prefer different sound file formats. What is iOS like? Um, for for um, short sounds, you have AIFF. For, um, that's a special Apple format, I think. Right. And on Android, it's, um, I think it's this Firefox format. I don't know it by heart. But it just may convert it using some kind of converter to flip to the other. Audio. That was just yeah. the short sound effects, then music is different? Yeah, music, you use MP3. Right. But that's on both platforms. The platforms the same. MP3 is a little harder to decode, and they use uh, hardware decoders. And on older phones, usually you only have one hardware decoder, so you have to uh, be careful. Only use just one sound at the. Um, you can't use more than one music file at the same time. Mm -hmm. What about the artwork? What format do you keep that in? Well, I um, uh, did some hand drawings um, in a. Uh, drawing program and handed it over to uh, to uh, an artist, mm -hmm. and um, that that was it. I got them back. I got the, the artworks back, uh, the files back. And, and what format were they in? Um, PNG uh, okay. usually, and for the bigger uh, files or bigger images, uh, a J JPEG. Mm. All right, and that works the same whether Android or iPhone. Yes, that's that's right. It's more like um, on, on on iOS devices, you 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 pretty well know uh, the dimensions of the, of your screens. So on on iPhone, in in terms of screen dimensions, life is quite easy because you only have two sizes. On the Android platform, that's a different story. You have various different um, screen dimensions, so you have to. Sometimes scale and stretch images. What do you end up doing? Do you keep the screen essentially the same size and just stretch to the screen size? Um, I mean, not stretch, but um, a scale, a scale screens sometimes. And okay. Sometimes I had to, um, uh, you know, to cut uh, one side or. Because I think on a side scroller, you could just if the screen's a bit bigger, just show more of the game. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's 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 the case on on Android on on the on S three of Samsung or so. You you see you you see more on the game. That's right. Right. Mm. That's right. Hey, tell us about password. Well, yeah, sure. Password is um, uh, it's actually not a password safe in a traditional manner, but it's a uh, password generator. Um, it generates password. It takes you can configure it with, uh, with your own super strong, long master password. Mm -hmm. Then you give it a hint, for example, the domain name of a website, and then it calculates you a new password. Right. So the idea is that uh, you have a little fun generating and use it to, not necessarily to retrieve, do you, as well? It's just to generate. 
it's a generator, but, but because it's deterministic. Right, so it'll happen the same way every time. Yeah, yeah right. So right. given the same master password, the same um, password format configuration, and the same hint, it generates the same password. So the password itself is really strong, but if you have this uh, this tool, then you can just put a simple password in that you can remember and turn it into a complex password. Well, now, the way I, I, I'm using it is I have, um, once I used it, or when I used the, the, the app the first time, I configured it with my master password. Okay. Or two or three or four. There are four different um, configurations you can uh, configure. And and I also choose the password formats. Let's say for configuration one, I want to have um, eight characters and digit passwords okay. with lower and uppercase, mm-hmm. and uh, set uh, and preset it with a master password. And let's say I want to register for uh, .NET Rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for example, enter as hint when I use the password app. I enter um, .net rocks.com right. and then it's it spits out an eight um, character digit password, which is somehow complicated. Of course, it's a strong sure. password. Yeah, so it's basically that hint is the only thing you have to remember. So you can think of that hint as a sort of a a simple password that gets, that's what I was talking about. Ah, okay, I understand. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know people, they always use the, the two, the, the, URL. the first two, the URL or the, the first two letters of the yeah. domain name or whatever. It's, I mean, it doesn't really matter doesn't what matter. you use. Right. I usually use the domain name. So um, when I come to DNR TV and I definitely haven't stored the password anymore, I just enter right. DNR TV and then um, it, it spits out the, the, the password they once generated. That's really cool. I, I guess the only th- thing you need is that app everywhere you are all the time on every device <laughs> with the same data, right? I mean, you have it on your phone. I have it on my tablet. And um, I actually only wrote it for iOS mm-hmm. and made the generator code um, publicly available on GitHub. Mm-hmm. So everyone who likes to do can build a, That's a, pretty cool. a desktop or whatever version. A friend of mine has built a website with the same algorithm. Mm. So the, the encoder is also available in JavaScript. Right. But the problem with a website is you have to trust the website because sure. you enter the master password there and that's, you know. And you might as well just put your passwords in a text file on the website if it's protected. Yeah, right. I, I would. I wouldn't. I mean, well, what I mean is, I mean, if somebody has access to your website, then they have access to your passwords. By if they know your hints, if they know you put the domains in and you get back the password, you know what I'm saying? Well, if if they knew your your master password, right? But that's something they don't know, and and I they don't know it in my app. Of, uh, it's not a. I mean. You can't know it. It's it's strongly encrypted, and right. it's the only thing we store on 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 the phone. Very cool. Did you use gamification in password? Yeah. Well, yes. I I I, <laughs> I, I tried to use it actually. I um, I heard about gamification. I read something about it, and then and I thought, okay, let's let's try it and do it, and bring in some sort of a um, of a, um, a reward system. Right. 
but um, I think <laughs> I failed miserably. Um, no, I can't try to imagine the reward for a password. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that brings me to another issue, which is what happens when gamification backfires? Like, I can imagine you know, um, a sort of a game at the gym, you know, where the people that work out the most get, get points and social status and maybe free this or that. or, And then, you, you know, you're coming into the gym as a new exerciser and you're way behind. It's like, can that be demotivating as well as motivating? I think so. And that's why, um, um, why you should have different scoring lists. Ah, okay. So the, just the, like... The main rule, yeah, the, the, the rule for a scoring list is... You should always have two before you and two behind you. Well, yeah, or just be uh, part of the same class or the same, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it's the same idea, you know, in professional mm. wrestling or whatever, you know, they have divisions and exactly. you know, so people are matched. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay, well, that makes sense. I'm just trying to find, you know, the pitfalls of gamification, if there are, if there are any others. I mean, it's definitely not a solution for everything and, and, um, Hell no, don't use it for everything and yeah. probably not for a password app. That's probably a, a bad idea. <laughs> anyway, I think the idea is interesting. And if you can make something more fun and more engaging, then why not doing it? I agree. I mean, the one of the main ideas behind gamification is also don't stop once you have sold your product, but start then your relationship with your customer. Engage yeah. him make him use your software so when he uses your software um very intensively mm. then um you you don't have to do much support and those people usually are um they help you sell more of your product because they love it they they tell it to other people i sort of think of software development as a game in and of itself isn't it it's because you're constantly coming up with new challenges and and finding ways to solve those problems which sometimes bring you down into tangents and you know you your motivation is to to solve the problem um i think you know software developers are sort of driven by that motivation of just you know oh, i got to i got to figure out the solution to this problem the right? challenge is yeah it's the challenge yeah yeah and at the end of the day when it's done you get to see your software working and it like is behaving intelligently and it's it's an intrinsic that's reward, the reward in yeah, itself. That's the yeah. Reward, yeah, and I mean, I think that's one of the way why all this open source community community work. Also, it's the the social recognition, mm -hmm. which is actually probably more worth than money. Yeah, uh, being being somewhere, someone important within a within a, a community is really very um, valuable. Yeah, the social value is an interesting dynamic over any of the other measurements, but there's no there's no way for you to really socialize the number of leaves on your dash, but people still value that. So there's clearly different motivations here. Not every kind of gamification works the same way. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, as I said, I wouldn't use the gamification for everything. It's it's just an idea. It's just some sort of rules. You may use it or not. It's it's. So I can sort of hear the listener's brain going out, going around, and turning, and the gears turning, and saying, "Okay, I have my app that I'm writing at work. You know, that I'm working mm. on. How can we gamify this? So how do you gamify, you know, apps that we use in business? Is that even possible? Mm. Uh, maybe you need a more specific example. 
I just, you know, sort of think like sitting, opening documents, entering data, working with numbers, it really doesn't have any intrinsic um, motivation built into it, except not to screw up. Right. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. A typing system maybe could um, give you some feedback um, when you type 100 words without spelling error or yeah. whatever. I mean... I suppose, in a simple way. In a simple way, yeah. Tony, what's next for you? What are you working on now? Um, currently, I'm working on tablet, um, a tablet project for some um, watch manufacturers here in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, um, it's some sort of a, a catalog on iPad mm-hmm. uh, with watches. And oh, cool. That's one of the projects. And one was um, uh, an Alpine Flower app. An Alpine it's Flower a, app? Flowers app, yeah. It's a, it's actually a reference with uh, Alpine flowers. Huh. From the Alps. Um, yeah. Here in Central Europe. Right. And it's, um, it's, it's a very nice app. The, it's a, the, the woman uh, or my, my, my customer actually um, made, you know, 1,500 photos. Mm-hmm. And I had uh, to bring them all into the app and um, with all the flowers. It's really a nice app. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Tony, thank you very much for talking thank to you us. Too. And uh, it's all great stuff. Yeah, thanks. All right. And we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much, but it means a lot. Just try and it will give. You're not the only one.